Hi, welcome back to the podcast. Today you'll meet Amber. Amber's first loss was a friend that committed suicide when she was 10 years old. In 2013, her mom was brutally murdered by her neighbor. Three years later, her grandparents were in a car accident after her grandfather had a transient amnesia episode and her grandmother died. As always, if you are enjoying the podcast, can you please leave a rating and review? I'd sincerely appreciate it. And now, Amber's story. Hi, this is Beth, and welcome back to the Daughters Without Moms podcast. I am glad that you're here. And today I have with me, Amber is a daughter without a mom, but she is also a friend without a friend, a granddaughter without grandparents. Amber has a lot of grief stories, that stories of loss that she's going to share with us today. Um, I actually met Amber by stalking her through a live she did with um, Randy from Grief and Grits. So Randy was on the podcast a while ago, and she just did a series of childhood loss Instagram lives, and Amber was on there. And so I reached out to Randy and said, hey, can I ask some of these people if they would want to share on the podcast? And she was like, sure. And Amber said, sure. So here she is. Um, I'm going to let her introduce herself, and, and then we're going to start off with her first loss that unfortunately happened at a very young age. So welcome, Amber. I appreciate you being here today. Thank you, Beth. Hi, everyone. Mm-hmm. My name is Amber Bradbury, and I'm the wife. I'm a mother. I'm a caregiver for my father-in-law who lives with us. He has dementia, and I'm the author of a children's book titled If Grandma Were Here, A Book of Memories, and I'm working on If Grandpa Were Here Now, (laughs) Um, and I'm also a griever. Yeah, so you shared with Randy about your your story of loss from when you were only 10 years old, so can you tell us a little bit about that story? Not that story, about about your real life, but uh, yeah. Yes, so at the time I was in fourth grade, and I had a friend, Sarah, and I try to think as far back as I can remember her. And I remember one day we got into a a shoving match on the playground and I don't remember why, but I was so scared. I was like, oh my gosh, like, I don't want to fight. I don't know what, I don't know how it happened. But then I was like, oh my gosh, she hates me. So the next day, like she came up to me and hugged me and then we were friends again. And from then on, we would always like play together and she was like really competitive. So we would like race on the monkey bars and we would just, we would have fun. And she just always seemed really happy and she was bold and she was funny. And then um, we came back from Easter break. And I only remember this because I had a friend I connected with who was also in the same fourth grade class as me. And I was like, well, do you remember how like we were told she died? And she said, well, when we came back from Easter break, the principal told us that, that she died. And, and I don't know if he told us like that she committed suicide or she died by suicide, but I, I think there was an article written in the newspaper that detailed what happened. And, and I read that, I remember. And I think that's how I found out that she died by suicide was was the newspaper article and I had nightmares. Yeah, it was it was really traumatic and and I just remember like I 
I kept envisioning, you know, like what happened and, you know, I would just like wake up crying and I, I think I cried for days. So it, it was very, very sad yeah. and unexpected. That's, yeah. That's significant at yeah. such a young age. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then I felt guilt, like, well, did the fight because we had this fight like is that why like I didn't you know I, I just felt like was it something that I did and and thinking back so after the the interview with Brandy and I, I I had this memory that I think her mom was at the school because her little sister also went to the school and I think I was like crying and thought that like it was something I did and I think her mom came over and like comforted me and I think but you know, sometimes those memories are like, they, they fade in and out. So it's, it's hard to decipher, but I, I, I think I remember that happening. Okay. You know, like her mom telling me like, you know, it was nothing that you did, mm -hmm. but I, I just mm -hmm. felt a lot of guilt. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's such an important thing to mention because people are always like, oh, kids are resilient and they, you know, they adapt to things, which I do think that they do, but that doesn't mean they don't internalize the circumstances. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like Randy says, you know, like she, I, I just know she says kids, yes, they're resilient because they have to be, you know, you grow up, you have to grow up, but these things are always there. They don't just magically go away. So if we're not supported the right way you just start to internalize everything and and then that's not good and I love she said you know because 10 12 14 you know I, probably until your brain fully develops when you're 25 you're very egocentric so you do think that everything's about you you know yes um, yeah and so yeah. That's where that, that guilt comes from. You know, I remember mm -hmm. when my mom got sick, I thought, well, if, if my sister and I hadn't moved to live with dad, if we would have stayed with mom, I bet you she wouldn't have gotten sick. And yeah, I think kids just do that also because they're probably trying to figure something out as to why it happened, yeah. you know, trying to make yes. sense. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, that is just the other thing I just wanted to mention that, that Randy said too, was, um, like she asked if you had gone to the funeral and you talked about that year, you know, with your grandmother that you had gotten there late and that you sat outside. She mentioned about for parents to talk about kids, about those things, like before you go, like what to expect, yes. which I thought that is so true. It's so, yes, because a lot of times you don't know what to expect and you're scared. Like I, I remember I was like, so I'll, I'll back up. And so the day of her funeral, I lived with my grandmother at the time and, and she was, she was very sick. I had all of her clothes picked out. I helped her get dressed. I, I brushed her hair. I did her hair. I, I like made sure I got on like my best. I think I had a pantsuit on something like that. And I, I did my hair the best I could. It was kind of like I had those butterflies and, and I was just like so nervous. And I picked out like a few roses that we had in a rose bush. And I was like, I'm going to bring it there. And we ended up getting lost. And by the time we found the church, the doors were closed and we kind of sat outside and my grandmother's like, well, you know, we can go in the parking lot. And she's like, well, what do you want to do? And I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, I didn't want to like go in and like the doors were shut and everybody would stare at us. And it, if it started already, like those were the things I was thinking. And I was just like, I don't think we should go in. And then I was thinking about probably seeing Sarah like dead and, and who knows, but I decided 
that we shouldn't go in. And my grandmother, she was just supported me and she said, you know, okay. And, mm-hmm. and we didn't end up going in, but you know, even for my grandmother, just to do that, I know it took a lot of strength for her to even leave the house. Cause she was, she was very sick. So I'm thankful that, that she did that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, you weren't sure if you were going to see Sarah, like there are so many aspects of a funeral that would be great to preface for a kid, you know, for their first time going to one, you know, yes. help them know what to expect. If there is going to be a body there, if there's a cremation to explain that, you know, that, what that, that, is. that vase that's up there, you know, you know, there's so many things. Yeah. We'll we'll get into that story later with my son. Um, And, you know, it is very important. And those are things that we're not taught. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's so important. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. It sure is. It sure is. Okay. So then you were 10 and you lost Sarah. And I know from from your interview with Randy that uh, soon after that, you moved Mm -hmm. um, with my dad. Right, right. So then tell us about the next significant loss that you experienced. So the next significant loss um, would, well, I mean, my, my grandmother, my maternal grandmother, who I lived with, she ended up passing away when I lived in New York. Um, so I wasn't able to go to her funeral. So I internalized that loss too, but I know it, it was a significant loss for me. And we just had a really close relationship and I'm thankful that I was able to spend as much time as I did with her, but that was definitely a significant loss. Mm. And I think when you don't go to a funeral, sometimes there's not that closure. Like you don't, you don't get to grieve collectively with people and you're just kind of like on your own to figure out, I guess a, a way to like, maybe not closure, but you just feel alone. And I think I felt alone in mm-hmm. her death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, and then my both great grandmothers died and which my maternal grandmother, her mother, we were all close. And mm-hmm. then my paternal grandmother, and her mom, I was close with them as well. So both of them died. And um, then in 2013, my mom, she was the victim of a homicide. So that was probably the most significant loss of my life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So whatever you feel comfortable with sharing about that, you can tell us. Yeah. Yeah. So um, at the time we both lived in New Jersey, she grew up in California and she moved to the East coast when she was in her early twenties, met my dad, had me. And then we ended up moving back to California when I was like five and I moved to New Jersey. And, um, that's when I had my two children and she came to live closer to me and to help me with the kids. And, um, so that's why she lived there and we didn't, you know, we didn't have any family around. It was just her and I. So uh, in 2013, when I got a knock on my door from the police saying that, um, you know, they just knocked on the door and they were like, are you Yvonne's daughter? And they said my name and I was like, yeah. And they're like, can we come in? 
And, you know, I think like when they said, can you, can we come in? I was thinking, okay, like maybe something bad happened, but I didn't think like death. So I wasn't sure. And I was like, okay. Then when they told me to sit down, I'm like, oh, like, you know, like watching TV shows, movies, that that's, that's what they're going to say. And, you know, they explain that there was an altercation and, you know, they tried to save her, but they weren't able to. And then I just like, remember, I just like left the room and I called um, my great uncle and aunt and then like my my aunt and my uncle and we were just trying to figure out if that was really true because it just didn't seem it didn't make sense um and I you know like the altercation part and I was like well my mom wasn't a fighter so I just didn't I didn't understand it was just very confusing so you know of course it really happened and you know she was killed so it was a lot. Did you ever find out anything about the quote unquote altercation? So what I was able to piece together because since it was an, an ongoing investigation, they, the woman never left. She, she said that she killed her um, and they, they took her in custody. You're not given much information. So I, I wasn't able to really find out everything so I just became like my own investigator and I was like trying to piece together everything that happened. Um, so what I'm able, what I was able to piece together was that the woman had moved in recently and my mom, because my mom was very outgoing, like she just made friends everywhere. And I like, and she was just beautiful and she was just so much fun to be around and people just gravitated towards her she was an extrovert, definitely. And I'm more of like an introvert. So I always wished I could be like her and like be more outgoing. Um, so she was able to, to make friends quickly. So I think she tried to become friends with this, this woman and realize that she was mentally ill and like, okay, I need to stay away from her. So she, the woman was knocking on her door and I don't know if, she left and then my mom went to knock on her door to tell her like can you like stop can you leave me alone can you stop knocking on my door and I think that's that's like the extent of what happened and when my mom was walking away is when Ebony her name was um just grabbed a knife and just stabbed her to death yeah yeah it was really senseless and just it will never make sense yeah mm -hmm. yeah that's a whole a whole different level of grief I think they call it complicated grief oh it's yeah. yes yeah. it's very very complicated because mm -hmm. it's just something that I live with every day mm -hmm. not that I think about the way she died every day but just knowing that that's how her life ended it's just you know it, it tears me apart yeah. that's and you know that we all want our loved ones to have a good death which is you know you're surrounded by your family and obviously not everyone is gonna die that way but that's what you wish and you know that 
that's not what happened. So um, I'm just thankful. So her, her friend who lived on the third floor heard what was going on and she came downstairs and, um, you know, she was there with my mom. And I think she may have been the one to call 911. I don't know, but she was able to be there with her. And I'm, I'm pretty sure she, she died in the, the hallway in the apartment. Um, but I'm just thankful that my mom at least had someone there with her mm-hmm. when she mm-hmm. died. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So this was in 2013. Yeah. You know, so the thing is for me, I'm like, we see this stuff all the time in movies and we see it on TV, but then in real life, it just seems so unimaginable, you know, like this actually happened. It's yeah. Yeah. surreal. Right. Right. That's what I was, I was going to say, like, does some, does it feel like an outer body experience sometimes? It does. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And how old were you? And you were, I was 27. Okay. And I'm the only child. So I had, it was just me. So I had to like, you know, after they deemed the area, it wasn't a crime scene anymore. I was able to go back into her apartment and, you know, just, I remember like, walking up the stairs I could still smell like the cleaner from like cleaning Mm -hmm. up the scene and like I had to go and like figure out what I was going to do with all of her stuff it was it was heavy it it Mm -hmm. was just such a rough time but I remember like um when I was there one day a woman came down and she like knocked on the door and she told me to come out and she was an older woman but she told me when um we had the sandy the storm didn't have power for like a week. And she said every night my mom waited downstairs for her because she would come home from work with a candle and helped her walk to her apartment. And she just told me, yeah, like, so that made me feel mm-hmm. good. And mm-hmm. I mean, that's just the person my mom was. Mm-hmm. She always wanted to help other people. Wow. Yeah. Well, and you said you had moved to New Jersey and you really didn't have any family or anything there. Did anybody, I mean, come and help? I you? had friends. Yeah. So I had a good friend who came and helped. Um, she showed up and that's something you never forget, you know, when you're going through something as traumatic as that and to have people show up, mm-hmm. like, uh, I never forget that. And I still thank her. I'm like, thank you so much because that was, it was a lot. Mm-hmm. And to have her support meant so much. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming you didn't have a, like, you didn't have to go through a trial or anything because the woman admitted, admitted. Well, it. She, oh, so she admitted it. Yes. But they still were going to go through a trial. So mm-hmm. at first she said it was self-defense, which of course it wasn't. And then she was going to plead insanity. And, um, but they were like doing the pre-trial stuff and it never got to a full trial because she died in jail. She had heart failure and she was like in her twenties. Yeah. She was in her twenties. Yes. Yes. Wow. You are right. This is like a CSI. (laughs) Yeah. So to me, I mean, to find that out, I was like, I felt relieved, but then I was like, I really, I just felt like this woman 
I don't know. I was like, you know, she was failed in her life somewhere. And I don't know her, but I just, the anger that I had, it was just gone. Like, you know, because there was something wrong with her and I don't know if she truly meant to do it. I don't know. But, but from then on, like when I think of her, I don't feel anger, which might seem weird, but I'm like, you know, I guess God, the universe took care of this because if I, if I had to go to trial, I mean, uh, those families that have to, and you have to hear all the details. And I, I just, that's like, yeah, that's it's, just like, it's like inhumane. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So mm -hmm. I'm so, so, so thankful that I didn't have to do that. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't have been like torture. Yeah. And, and to not carry around anger for an extended period of time, because I carried around anger for over 20 years um, towards my grandparents, because they basically disowned us after my mom died, and we were their only grandchildren. It's a whole long oh, story. Man. It's one of those things that you'll never understand, right? You said you'll yes. never, you'll yep. never fully understand understand it. Um, but and that is a blessing that you uh, don't, you know, that anger in your heart for for twenty years does cause a little bit of calcification in there. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've held on to other things, but you know, mm -hmm. you just got to let stuff, you have to try to let things go. Like I'm never, I, I forgave her for what happened, but it's something that I'm never going to forget. Yes. And I'm not saying what she did was right because it was absolutely horrific. Mm -hmm. um, but there's just no sense in, in being angry. It's not mm -hmm. going to bring my mom back. Mm -hmm. It's not how I want to live. It's not how I want my kids to see me living, just like walking around angry all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's not how my mom, she's, she was a happy person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I love that you said that because I totally agree. Just because you're forgiving something doesn't mean you're forgetting what happened. Yeah. But um, there's some, there's a Lily Tomlin quote, and I'm not going to get it exactly right, but it says something about, no, that's not the Lily Tomlin quote. It, it says something about like holding a grudge is like you taking poison, but waiting for the other person to die. Like the grudge will yes, eat yes. you. It will eat yeah. you up before, you know, the person that you're holding it against. So I agree. Good for, good for you. Good for you. That's some people, I mean, you've, you've, done that in a night in a in a good time period where it you know you didn't hold on to it for 20 years so no thank goodness wow. and thank yeah. god you didn't have to go through a trial <sighs> I would I'm sorry yes. I just assumed there wouldn't be I don't I obviously don't understand how it works because yeah, I thought if no. somebody says they did it they then, did it then yeah. that was it no I think they still oh, have to go sheesh. yes yeah and I'm just and, you know, like when I, I found out she died, I called, they have the victims of violent crime and I called them and they said, yes, you know, she died. And I believe like at towards the end is when she said she was claiming insanity and then she was going to represent herself. So I was like, oh my gosh, thank goodness. I didn't have to deal with that because it would have just been a nightmare. And she was just out of her mind and I wouldn't my mom didn't deserve that. And, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I'm just thankful that that's 
how that ended. Mm-hmm. You're right. You're very right. Wow. All right. So, but Yvonne wasn't your wasn't your last no loss. No. So, yes. So after my mom died, um, my uncle, my mom's brother, lived in Sacramento, and my dad had moved to Lake Tahoe because he lived in New York. His brother lived in Lake Tahoe and he always loved it. So when I moved out of the house, I was like, dad, just move to Tahoe. You love it there. So he ended up doing that. And Tahoe is about an hour and a half from Sacramento. So my uncle, he said, well, why don't you and the kids? Because I had two kids at the time. And that's another thing. So I didn't know how to talk to them about what happened, especially because it was so traumatic. And I was grieving, trying to piece together what the heck happened. Um, my mom had this angel statue in her apartment and it looked like her. So yeah, so I brought that with me. And then the day that I told them, I probably said she went to heaven, which I know is now that that's not the right way to speak to children about death. Like you have to tell them, you know, like your grandmother died her heart stopped beating, her brain stopped working. Like you really have to, you have to be, um, what's the word? You have to use the actual terms. Specific, yeah. Yes, but I think I said she went to heaven. Um, I don't I don't remember exactly what happened, but my son, he drew a picture of my mom as an angel and all three of us holding her hand. And he said, what did he say? I'm not gonna remember now, but I think he said like we're holding grandma's hands because she's teaching us to fly or something like that. But it was just so beautiful. And he was only five at the time and mm -hmm. my daughter was three. So that I, I remember like I just telling them it was just heartbreaking. Um, so my uncle, he offered us to move in with him. So my dad came, we packed a U-Haul. Um, my, my kids, they, they, were with, they went with their dad. He was living in Miami at the time. So my dad and I drove the U-Haul to California. And that was interesting. From New Jersey. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's a cross-country trip. Yeah. It, it was, it was a full cross-country <laughs> trip. It was, it was nice though, because I, I, you know, I was able to release some of that that grief and, you know, just like driving, you're able to think and, you know, see, well, some of the states were just cornfields, but the other, some like Wyoming, it was just so beautiful. And, and I think that helped. And so I was living in California in 2013. Um, and then in 2016, my dad's parents who lived in New York, um, it was their 60th wedding anniversary year. And we had planned, we actually did rent a house, three different properties that were on the same, three different houses that were on the same property because we were gonna have a big family gathering to celebrate their 60th um, wedding anniversary. And in April, my grandmother called me and I had just started to paint and she was a painter. So she's like, you know, I'm going to teach you some things and we're going to get this, we're going to get that. So we like 
made a list of everything we were going to get. And then on May 5th, my dad, he called me and I didn't answer the phone. My, my husband at the time was actually, <laughs> so my husband and I met in eighth grade, which I don't want to, I don't want to confuse people, but we met in eighth grade and we stay connected through social media. And when I was living in California, he was in New York. So we started dating long distance and he was actually there visiting me because my birthday is April 30th. And um, so he was there with me and I was like, well, I'm not going to answer it. I'll call him back another time. And then he called again. So I was like, okay, let me answer it. So he was like, hysterically crying and he's like I have to pull over he was driving and I was like oh my gosh like what the heck happened so he said that my grandparents were in a car accident and my grandmother didn't make it and I was just like what like it was it just seemed so unreal and unbelievable and I was just like crying and I, I don't know like you it just it's like an out-of-body experience when you have to face traumatic death it just seems like what in the world yeah um so my husband Nate he was actually leaving the next day and I was able to get on the same flight as him to go to the hospital to be with my grandfather and uh, my aunt in California she she took my kids and thank goodness, cause like I was a mess. And um, so I was able to, to be in the hospital with him for, I think I stayed for like five days mm -hmm. to a week. And I just can't imagine like my grandfather, how he felt. So they went to breakfast at Cracker Barrel and got on the highway and he ended up having I think it's transient, some kind of trans amnesia. And I forget the, the actual term now, um, but I'll probably think of it after the podcast and be like, oh man, that was what it's called. <laughs> so the person is able to function. He was able to drive, but he had no idea what was going on. And he drove all the way down the highway and I think people were like calling and and um, reporting his car because I think it was like swerving and um, they came to the end of the highway which is an, another road and a CDTA a, a bus like a transit bus was coming and and the car hit the bus and you know that's when my grandmother lost her life but luckily no one else was hurt beyond my grandparents but I just can't imagine him waking up in the hospital, not knowing what happened. And then to hear mm -hmm. my grandmother died, like it just, it's so sad. Wow. Yeah. And, wow. Did, did the amnesia portion stay? Did he still have it when he woke no. up? No. Had he had anything like that before? Never, never. No. He Is had, it just like I, a I fluke mean, thing? Just like yes. once and done? Yes. Typically it happens one time and it will never happen again. And I think it's trans. And, you know, I saw something, there was someone, a celebrity who talked about having it. And I, I can't, 
I can't remember who, but yes, it usually happens once and that's it. Is it like a blood clot in the brain or? No, no, I don't know. And yeah, no. yeah. Wow. wow. You have had so much loss and all of it traumatic. Yes. Yeah. Like yeah. you haven't had like cancer diagnosis or, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, my, my grandfather's sister had cancer, but no, like immediate. Yeah. 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 It's been traumatic. Wow. Wow. Um, so you stayed with your grandfather for five, five to seven days. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I'm assuming, did he have support in New York? Like you, you went back to California. Did he? Oh yeah. So my aunt and, and her husband and family, they actually lived on the same street as my grandparents. So my aunt's two minutes up the road. So she was there all the time and yeah. Wow. So, so you were 27 with your mom. So this year, 30. So your kids are now maybe what, like eight and five. Yeah, I think so. In 2016. (laughs) Like, I think so. Something like that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And you had to yeah. have another conversation with them. Uh, yeah. But I think at that time they understood more. So when my mom died, um, since she, since we were in New Jersey, I, I had her cremated and we had a service in California. And I remember, um, like we ended up burying her with my grandmother mm-hmm. and we, we took turns and we held the the bag that she was in. And my son, I remember he was like, this isn't grandma. And he was like, why is this? Like what? He was like so upset. And I didn't know what to say to him. I think I was just like, sure. I, I don't know because I didn't know what to say. And, and, you know, now being, you know, like a grief advocate, I, I've, you know, there's different ways that you talk about it, but at, you're supposed to also talk before the funeral, which I didn't do because you just don't know. We're not taught these things. <laughs> like there's not a class like this is what you should do before a funeral. And this is how you talk about cremation because that is very confusing for a kid. I can only imagine like, how is this, how is this grandma? Like right. she's in a bag, right? you know? And right. Yeah. And then to explain the process sounds really like she's um, burned, you know, like, yeah, that'd be so scary. Very scary. Uh uh Yeah. So Hmm. in hindsight, I wish I was able to prepare them better, but, you know, I mean, moving forward, Mm -hmm. I have a four-year-old. So when that happens, I'll be able to talk to her and Mm-hmm. and better prepare her mm-hmm. for that. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the resources you can use is your book. So tell us yes. a little bit how <laughs> how this how the book morphed, how either this all morphed into the book or how the book came out of this or tell us about your book. Sure. So I think it really stemmed from me going places with my kids or like my daughter's gymnastic classes. And then you see grandmothers like taking their kid, their grandchildren. And like, just being out, you'll see grandparents, grandmothers with their grandkids. And I was like, oh man, I wish my mom could do that. Or I wish my grandmothers could, could be here to do this. And I think that's where like, if grandma were here really started in my mind subconsciously. And just one day I was sitting on the couch and 
if grandma were here came into my mind. So I just started writing it. And not that I've never been a writer, but it was never my intentions to write a children's book, but it just happened. And I wrote it and I think I, I sent it to my husband and my uncle and, and everybody that I sent it to was like, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. Like, I love this. I can see this being a book. So then I was like, oh, okay. Well, I started like researching how to publish a book and, you know, I, I self-published it and I found a company and um, I think it was December, 2019. Actually, I think it was, yeah, it was December, 2019. And my husband and I were talking about um, our new year's resolution. And I said, well, I really want to publish this book. He's like, well, let's just do it. And it's like, okay, so that's when I started publishing it. But that was like right before the pandemic. So I had no idea what the world was going to, it was just going to turn upside down. And there was just still so much grief and loss from the pandemic. So I ended up publishing the book in December of 2020. Um, and I, I think it's, it's really been a great tool for families and for children to process grief. I mean, it's just, it's so important because mm -hmm. if not, you internalize it. And that's, that's what I did as a child. And as a teenager, I didn't talk about anything. I just kept it all in and found other ways to deal with it. And they weren't good. Yeah. So <laughs> Mm -hmm. We need to deal with them in a healthy way. And, mm -hmm. you know, just reading books. Yeah. Yeah. And did you, did you have an illustrator? You said you painted, did you do the book? Or no, did you? no, okay. no, no, okay. <laughs> no. Yeah. Her name is Jessica Corbett. Yeah, no. <laughs> okay. Okay. Because I did, I went to your website and you have a, like an audio version of your book there. Um, yes. which are either those your kids or both of your kids all of them so yeah Aww. so my son and my daughter they read the book and then the poem that I did my youngest she said a line in the poem so they all three of them and they're the characters in my book mm -hmm. and my mom is the one grandmother in the book and then my maternal no paternal I'm sorry grandmother Priscilla who passed away in the car accident she's the other grandmother in the book so there's two grandmothers and three grandchildren mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah well it is great it is great and I was thinking between your book and Randy's you know book um about the elephant two totally different perspectives um and I think between the two of them could totally have a really good conversation with kids and I think that the books books are such a great tool because you can just read it and maybe sometimes nothing will come up or they won't necessarily have a reaction, but later on they could be like, do you remember when we read that book and it said that part, you know, it made yes. me think about, you know, just, yes. just like, it's almost like having a third party facilitator, negotiator, you know, non-biased, not attached kind of thing as a resource to be able to have these really difficult conversations with kids. Yeah. 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 And and I think the most important thing is to have the conversations before death happens, because that's 
I had no idea how to talk to my kids and I had to do it when my mom died. And I was like in the midst of my own grief and, and trauma. Um, so as reluctant as people might be to talk about it, it's our job as parents. We have to talk to our children about death and it, we don't have to make it. It doesn't have to be sad all the time because I think people think that grief is always sad, but it's not. There's so many wonderful memories you can talk about. That's, that's really the, the most, the best way for me is to just talk about memories and, and stories. Mm-hmm. Those are important. Right. Because just because they're not here doesn't mean that the, the whole relationship and the memories that you had didn't happen. And they don't have to go away because the person is gone. You know, that's the way that we keep them alive through those memories and stories. And mm -hmm. because if we don't share them, then who were they? Then they were no one. That's it. If we just close the book and say, okay, we're not going to talk about them, then well, there goes their life. Right. Because your mom is still your mom. My mom is still my mom, even though she's not here but that doesn't mean that she's not my mom, you yeah. know, but she mattered. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we love our moms. Yes. Cause you asked me before we started recording, if I still think about my mom every day, it's going to be 39 years this year. And I said, yes, I do every day. Yeah. Yeah. Not a day goes by. It's, there's always something mm-hmm. always. And as much as we teach and read to kids about everything else. It is so important because the only the only thing we're guaranteed, well, in this Western culture, is taxes and death, right? Yes, yes, <laughs> right. So yeah. why aren't we talking about it? What? Why are people so scared? And I, I think I had a revelation. Probably isn't just me, but I'm like, I think we're so reluctant to talk to children about it because we weren't talked to about it as children. So we're carrying around this fear of death. We just like are so scared because we weren't properly supported. So if we can properly support children, maybe they'll grow up to be adults that can actually talk about death in a healthy manner and not fear it and and hold everything in and avoid it. Because that's what I think our culture does is like, in one way we're obsessed with it but then when it happens in real life like no one knows what to do like we see it in tv you can't turn on the tv and not something violent and gory because it's always there but in real life we don't know we don't know what to do and i just find that so strange Mm -hmm. it's really odd and if you think about, I just heard this um, from an author, Susan Kane, who just wrote a book, Bittersweet. She talks about like Disney movies and characters. Every single Disney movie starts like Harry Potter too. Like an, they're an orphan. There's been some kind of death, a parental loss. There's yes. the, the character immediately starts off as that because yes. there is, there's a, there's a level of connection that just happens automatically with the character. But so our kids, you're right. Our kids are seeing they it. They see it. They see but- it. Yes. Yeah. But then we can't talk to them about it, but we can let them watch. Oh, I remember I used to watch Lion King and I would just like watch it and fast or rewind it and cry and rewind it and cry just because like, I don't know. It was like, oh my gosh, his dad is dead. And he's like seeing his body and 
that's pretty traumatic for mm -hmm. a young child to see, but how many kids have watched it? Mm -hmm. So many. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yet we can't talk to our kids about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's just the fear of those hard conversations, but better to have the hard conversation before you're also in an emergency situation. Yes. You know? Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And then like you, know, you said, you're trying to process your own grief. You were dealing with your own loss and, and everything surrounding your mom's death, but then you also had to try to figure out how to talk to your own kids about it. Like that's, it's a lot. It really is. Yeah. A lot. Yes. So, mm -hmm. you know, my husband and I, we have a four-year-old now, her name is Savannah. And, um, we have like a whole bookshelf of our loved ones who are no longer here and even like animals. And we talk about it and, she has like such a connection with my grandmother, Priscilla. Um, we, her middle name is Priscilla. Like my grandfather, he recently gave me like all of her old, um, the last of like her paint stuff. Like she had frames and some of the painting mm -hmm. she didn't finish. So when we got home, I, I put it all on the floor and I, I was showing Savannah and she was like, I miss Nanny. And she's never met her. And she always talks about her. Like she actually knows her. That is so beautiful. I know it was. And I was like, oh my gosh, like it just, yeah. Wow. Yeah. She misses her and she's never met her. That but is that's so because beautiful. I, I, I keep them alive. Yeah. We have yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think for people who don't have like immediate losses, I know everyone's like, well, you know, I, I haven't lost anyone yet, but we all have. So I think it's important to even look at family that you might not have even known and just start talking about, okay, well, this is great, great grandpa, whoever, and just start talking about that person and finding more out about their lives because then that starts the connection. Like, okay, this was someone, they're no longer here, but we're going to learn more about them. We're going to talk about them. And I think that's also like important for kids to learn about their family history too. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that's going to be all of our jobs um, as like you called yourself, you know, a grief advocate that it's going to be all of our jobs to just try to start spreading awareness and, and spreading these resources like your book um, yeah. so that that we can help, you know, other younger families who haven't had the opportunity to have these conversations yet. You know, let's have them. Let's go ahead and yes. have them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. so important. And then it can also, you know, by, by talking about that with your children, say they have a friend who loses a loved one and they can maybe better support them because that's also a really difficult um, thing. I know my, my daughter, my oldest daughter, Giselle, she had a friend whose mom died in fourth grade. I think she had lung cancer and um the principal actually like reached out to me and said like how much Giselle helped him and like was such a good friend to him. And that just meant so much. And I know for him, when, when you have people there for you, you never forget that. And you're just so thankful for those people because you need it as much as people sometimes think like, okay, well, they're fine. They don't, they don't really need help right now. I don't know if it's like a, a coping mechanism, but you do, you need, you need all the support you can get when a loved one dies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah you need to do a better job supporting children mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I wholeheartedly agree 
Wow. Well, I think this is a good way for us to segue into your, your, we had, I had asked if you had a, had a final tip or, you know, something that you wanted to share with people to wrap up the podcast. So what would you like to say to the listeners? So I just want to say that the most important thing to support a griever is to show up. It doesn't matter if you're afraid, like you don't know what to say. That doesn't matter. Like just show up. They need you as much as they might say, you know, if you say, well, let me know if you need something and they don't let you know, that doesn't mean that they don't need anything. They just don't know what they need. So you can, you can bring them a meal. You could just go to their house and just hang out, watch a movie, anything, help them. Do you need help with the planning a funeral? No, I mean, I don't know. There's just so much that you have to go through when a loved one dies and you need support, support, just drop what you're doing and show up. Like that's really, I mean, I know when my mom died, I had a lot of people who said, you know, like, let me know if you need anything. Do you need anything? And I'm like, oh no, I I probably said I was fine. I don't know what I said, but I was screaming inside. I needed help and I didn't have that. And I really wish I did. Um, Maybe people didn't really know the circumstances or how horrific the situation was, but I needed help. And I just, and I think that's another reason why I wrote my book is because I don't want, I want people to have support and not to feel alone because that's, that's the worst feeling mm-hmm. is to feel alone. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I want to share one thing. I just want to find it really quick. So um, a school counselor recently used my book with a little girl who lost her grandmother and um, let me find it. I want to share what she wrote. It was so beautiful. Um, So she drew a picture of her and her grandmother. And she said, if my grandma were here, we would go for a walk and hang out in an open field. And she drew a picture. I don't know if you can see it. Her and her grandmother. And then I know I have a I have some activities I put together. It's an activity sheet. So it's if grandma were here, she would give you a big hug and kiss, which is a an excerpt from the book. And her hugs make me feel, and she wrote very happy with all my heart. And it was just so touching. And to even know that she's able to articulate that and to get those kind of feelings out just makes me feel so good. And it just makes it all worth it. And I did not write my book to make money. I just really wrote it to help people. If I could get everybody a free book, I would. My son one day, I was talking to someone, I was like, oh, I'll give you a book. And he's like, mom, you keep giving everybody free books. Like you're not going to make any money. But I really, truly, I, I'm not, I don't care about the money. I just, I just want to help people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we are going to put the link to your book in the podcast <laughs> show notes you. because <laughs> it you. is, it is important. Um, and it is, you know, we want to support each other in this, the, yes the grief community. We want to support each other and it is an amazing resource. And if you want to check it out before you buy it, go to Amber's website. I'll, you know, that's, that's the link that, that will be in the, in the um, podcast show notes and you can look at the book, you can hear the book and just see what an amazing resource it is. Um, I love the, the writing prompt that you just shared because sometimes kids don't think they can't voice it. They can't share their feelings vocally, but in school, they all have to write, don't they? You know, yes. so it probably yeah. feels more natural in some ways. 
Exactly. Yes. Mm -hmm. So it was just Mm -hmm. so touching to see. Mm, That's amazing. That's awesome. Good for you. Good for you. Um, Thank you. And and on Instagram, I'm going to put this in the show notes too. Your handle is Peace Love and Press. Yes. Press. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. Wonderful. Um, well, I sincerely appreciate you being here today, Amber. You have had you you have had quite the journey so far. Um, and like we said a prayer before we started, and I just said to you, you know, I hope that you yes. continue to start to keep showing up for yourself and all those things that you've internalized from what you've been through, and that you have the support that you need to keep to keep doing that. I know you said. Brandy's like a, an Instagram mom. Well, I want to tell you that I'll be yes. here for you too. If you, oh, if, thank you. Yes. if you need anything, you know, the one thing that's the one, I'm not a real fan of social media, but the grief community online has been oh, amazing. It's been, I'm not either. Prior to writing my book, I deleted all my social media and I was perfectly happy without being on social media. But now I've just found such a, an amazing community on Instagram. Like I, I mean, just so supportive. The grief community is amazing. Yeah. Like really. <laughs> yeah. It's I, wonderful. I wholeheartedly agree. So, all right, Amber. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Beth. If you liked this episode or you are a fan of the show, the best way to support it is to share it on social media and with your family and friends. For more of my thoughts on the grief journey, please visit my website, www.yourgriefjourney.com. As always, remember, we can use grace, grit, and gratitude to grow with our grief.